Blue Shirts fans. And Madhouse Maniacs. Welcome back to the Worst Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Breezy with my co-host Nick. Nick, say hi. Good morning. Um, so you want to do you want to do life update or you want to do podcast update because both are pretty exciting. I'm going to be honest. I think both of them are kind of a life update for both of us. So let's start with um, just because we can run through it pretty quick. What we do over this past weekend? So myself, yourself, and our team competed in Wobble Worlds here in Las Vegas. And for those that don't know, WABDL stands for W-A-B-D-L, which is the World Association of Bench Pressers and Deadlifters. It is a bench press and a deadlift only powerlifting competition. And at this competition, everyone on our team got a medal of some sorts. Um, I broke a Nevada State record. One of the guys on our team broke three Nevada State records. Another guy on our team... Um, completed his first push pull where he pulled all three in each six complete lifts. Our coach, he beat his personal record of what was it, a nine pound increase, I think, from last time that he six. that he six pound increase. Sorry, increase, yeah. and and my best buddy right here, Nick, has been fighting with a number that has been viciously in his head, and he not only broke his PR, but he broke it twice. Wow. Congratulations to you, buddy. I'm I'm I, so proud of you, man. Seriously. I also want to say, I also want to say, I did also go six for six. I got all three of my benches and all three yes, of you my did. deadlifts. It's it's um it, it feels like a movie. Like, you know, they say like last night was a movie, bro. Like that that's what it feels like. Um I, I'm still processing it, but I will say that our team, John's gym, did compete. We had a great time. I feel like we made a lot of the good new friends. And we, you guys and I, myself even saw some people that we've known, uh, we know of. And it was all around just, just good vibes all day, honestly, in my opinion. It was, it was so awesome. No, dude, I had, I, I'm still, I'm still processing everything. Like it's not, it doesn't feel real to me. I, uh, I ended with a, 314 pound bench, which the first time I've ever, that's, it's the second time I've ever benched 314 in a in, in a competition. The last time I did it was April of 2016. So put that in perspective. Seven Crazy. Years, seven years later. And I think that's seven years. Yeah, it is seven years. Seven years later, I benched it again. I had some more left in the tank, but I decided to uh, I'm you know, I'm thankful for my my dad was there and John were calling my numbers. And I, I actually had a conversation with my dad yesterday about it. And he was like, you know, I was debating on that 314. I wanted to go 319 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm so glad you didn't. Because every number that was called, he called, my dad called my bench. John called my deadlift. And every number that was called was on point and, and just, I would not have had the day I had if uh if it wasn't for them and, and I'll, if it I'll, wasn't for I'll, let me jump in on that one real quick because your dad and john are not just two dudes they are very well respected and seasoned veterans when it comes to powerlifting so the fact that you literally had two veterans in your corner 
that know you and know how you lift and were there to give you those numbers and you didn't even have to think about it honestly was I, I like you know that was that was the 50% of the mental right there 100% of it, the strength and the will was there for you but 50% of the mental was done because you had two guys in your corner that gave a shit about you and were there to make sure that you did what you needed to do and i i just it i can't, i can't bro it's it's like a I wake up this morning and it's like I see all the videos and the pictures and everyone tagging everything. It's like this is insane to go from where we went from at AAU, which is the amateur one, you know, that labeled amateur, whatever, to come to this one where it's the big leagues. You know, it's it's this is real stuff. People travel across the country for this and to compete and not only to not compete, but to get us on the board and do well. It, it like I said, it, it doesn't even feel real. It really doesn't. No, 100 percent. And um yeah, like for, you know, obviously people don't know the history of my family. My my dad has been a had been a competitive powerlifter for 26 years and had to retire um due to some health complications. John has been competitive powerlifting for I think around the same amount of time, maybe a little longer or maybe a little shorter. I'm honestly I'm not um 100% sure. He's in the 20 uh, plus range for sure. He's in the 20 plus range for sure, yeah. Um Excuse me, but I, uh, yeah, I had been battling for, fuck, man, for at least a year to finally crack the 600-pound barrier on my on my deadlift. That's always been my, kind of my Achilles heel, and uh, I fucking did it yesterday, and, and I know I sound very dejected about it, but I'm still kind of processing it, because I had been, I had been battling that number i have been you know it's been solid in the gym there's been misses of it in the gym i've been hit it was very inconsistent to say the least of like how many times i'd hit 600 in the gym but you know i i believe in the whole like no one gives a shit what you did in the gym it's a matter of what you did in the meet and you know i i i kind of i owe it to to john and and bailey called my last number as well and uh it was unreal. You know, I, I pulled on my opener was 529. And then uh, I looked at John and I said, go straight to six. I'm not fucking around. I'm not taking a middle jump. Just go straight to six. And I pulled 601. And then I broke down because I finally did it. Like, I mean, you, you fucking you saw me, dude. I was I was fucking crying. I had tears in my eyes, bro, because I knew how <laughs> much it I knew how much it took to get there. You know, I, I've seen you training every week and I see how hard it is makes me emotional right now dude because i'm like wow you all the work cool. all the work we put in you know it's i mean there's days in the gym we don't hit that weight that we that we think we should hit like obviously like very easily there's days in the gym where it, it flies and then there's days where it's a grinder and it feels like i can't do anything right and, and you you get upset because you know this isn't you know, the most important thing in our lives, but it's important to us. And if it matters to us, it matters, period. And it doesn't just matter to me. It matters to you. It matters to our team. You know, it matters to our families. It matters to our friends because they know how much it means to us. So the fact that you took that long break, you came back, you battled, and you even thought about maybe I should just fucking hang this shit up, which is insane to me because you're literally one of the strongest guys that I've ever met. And you thought maybe I should probably just be done with this because I'm not getting any better. Then look at you. You got better. And just to preference how important this was and how great this was, we both took silvers. We got silver medals. Yeah. And, it, and it felt like we won American 
international world grand championships. You know what I'm saying? Like we won the Stanley cup is what it felt like. <laughs> Basically. That's exactly what it felt like. Um, I, I I've said this before, so I'll, I'll turn this into a quick story real quick and then we can, we can move on if you don't have anything else to add. But I, uh, fucking years ago, like maybe like 10 years ago, I had competed in this federation called USPA, United States Powerlifting Association. It was my first time ever competing in what's called the Men's Open. Um, Men's Open 275, 275-pound weight class, which means you're competing against every single person, every single man that weighed in at 275 pounds that's competing in the open division. There's no weight classes, age. there's no age groups or anything that's that's separating you. It's just you against some dude that could be 40, some dude that could be 18, 16, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, there were five people in my division. I took third place out of the five. And mind you, I've always been, you know, always been the big kid, always been the big guy. Sure. So, so if I competed in like this, you know, 15 to 16 age bracket, 17, 17 to 18 age bracket, whatever, there was never ever, there was never even a, like a guy in my weight class, right? So I'd always be competing against myself. And I would always walk away with just like a participation gold medal. And, uh, when I got that third pa- third place certificate, right, it was like, you know, you, you took third place in the men's 275-pound open division. Um, that meant more to me than, than any of the gold medals I got for competing in my actual division. And when I got, because I, t- I came in second place out of four yesterday, um, the guy that beat me beat me by 125 pounds on his total. Um, so I was, I was, I was close. <laughs> I was giving him a run. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I, when I got second place and, and I beat out two other guys, I'm sa- I'm looking at my medal and I'm like, this means more to me than the, than the two AAU gold medals I have. Like this means, this means more to me. And the fact that to like, like that week, the meat week, right? <clears throat> I was sitting there talking to my wife and I was like, I am so fucking painfully nervous for, for this meet. And she's like, well, why? And I was like, because I feel like if I don't pull 600 pounds, I let everyone down. If I don't deadlift 600, I let the team down. I let my family down. I let you down. I let everyone down. And, and I failed. And, you know, of course, she's a fucking trooper. And she's like, you know, that's never the case. I'm proud of you for doing what, for even stepping on the platform, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, I always take that to heart, but for some reason in my head, I was like, if you don't pull fucking 600, you're average. If you're average, you're nothing. And I always say, and you've heard me say it day in and day out, I'd rather be fucking dead than average. So the fact that I was able to pull, you know, my second attempt, I was able to crack the 601 barrier, broke down, had to regain composure. And and I ended up with the six eleven point seven deadlift, um, which there's a really funny video that I sent breezy or a really funny picture that I sent breezy of of the aftermath of me screaming and Ronnie's holding me and I'm fucking screaming and I look fucking it's deranged. <laughs> it's it's amazing and like I said it's um it was a feel good win and I believe that you know there's just more to come. This is just the beginning for our powerlifting career. It's just the beginning, bro. This is 100% the beginning. Um, I, like I said, I know I sound very dejected about it and, and very somber, but 
understand that I am still very much on cloud nine and, and I just, I can't believe it. Like it's, it's, I'm still processing everything. And to speak about being on cloud nine, because I mean, that's not even the most exciting thing that happened this week, to be honest. And that's the crazy thing that that's, Oh baby, hit him with it. Yeah. Oh, baby boy, hit him with it. <laughs> so the worst hockey podcast is now a part of, Oh my goodness! There's not even a drum roll, right? It's just it, we are part of the sports social podcast network. It's the largest European podcast network with over 200 million monthly downloads, and our little hockey podcast is now officially a part of that. So you're going to see some things changing. I'm sure that you might already on this episode even see some things changing. If not, by next episode, you definitely will. And again, comes down to the humbleness where it's we knew that we had what it takes to get to this point, and we knew that someone out there would believe in it and and see the vision and and care. But we didn't think it would happen right now. We didn't think it would happen this quick. And I, honestly, again, I got to attribute to the literal no quit mentality from me and you. I have to thank you for joining me in this podcast and on this journey because I don't think, not even I don't think, I know for a fact I couldn't have gotten here without you. Maybe I could have years down the line, but the way that things are moving right now is like a house on fire, bro. It it Real. just, it is unreal to see the numbers that we have every week and people coming back and listening, which again, I'm grateful for. But the fact that it just keeps moving and every week I'm like, dude, this happened. Oh my God, dude, this happened. This is like... And it's like, again, it has never changed from just two dudes who are best friends that love a lot of the same stuff and really just like talking about hockey. At the end of the day, that's all this is. And moving forward, that's all this is ever going to be. So again, if you ride with us now, things may change a little bit, but it, the core of everything that we do is going to stay the same. The show's not going to change. There's nothing mandatory that we have to do that changes who we are. We're always going to be who we are. And I even I even made sure. I'm like, listen, hey, we're very passionate dudes. The language is not going to be always <laughs> PC, right? But they're like, hey, look, we're, we're here to facilitate what you do. And we just we want to just let you guys shine. But we just want you to do it in our network. And that's basically where it is. And that's basically what, what's going on with that. You know, the, the only out of pocket shit we say is our really shitty opinions about the state of the NHL. That's it. And, and they want that. Apparently they want that. And I don't know why, <laughs> but like, Hey, we signed everything and they can't take it back. Now we're, we're a part of their team. That's just is what it is. <laughs> if they take it back, we have at least three months to run rampant. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And like I said, from the bottom of our hearts here at the Worst Hockey Podcast, we are we are very, very grateful and very excited, not just to this new network that we're part of, but to everyone here that listens and made this actually happen and helping facilitate our dreams of just doing this full time. You know, that's the goal. If we can do this full time, that would be absolutely just, I couldn't even put it in words. But again, where we are right now, we appreciate you. We appreciate everyone listening. We appreciate you know, sports social podcast network and everything that's happening and moving forward. It's, it's just, it's just unreal. It's huge. And, and I, you know, I want to thank everyone for opening their arms and accepting me um, for who I am one and for two, for not, you know, not ditching the podcast because it's no longer just a Rangers podcast. You now have another rival of the original six involved 
Um, but you know, I I thank everyone. You know, I thank Breezy for giving me the opportunity to come in and and to take what was supposed to be a once a month ordeal and turn it into basically a full time thing. Um, means a lot to me, and you know, I'm very grateful for everyone involved. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the future. I'm very excited for for Sports Social giving us a giving us an opportunity to to turn this into a career because I know Breezy and I want nothing more than to you know work for ourselves and and just have fun and have fun with our work. Not saying that our actual day jobs are not fun. Don't get me wrong, but you know this is a hell of a lot more fun than sitting at a desk. And and I put it this way: It's like I do a lot of good in the world with what I do, and and our your job is is fun, and you're a part of a great team. But you know, it comes a point in your life where you say, you know what, I want to do my own thing. You know, like Miles Morales, like now nah, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna do my own thing. That's what I want to do. And I, I I just can't believe that we're on the cusp of that being a reality. So right. it's a full steam ahead type situation. We're not quitting. We're going harder than we've ever been. And you'll even see that with just what the content we put out. You'll see how much things change, but in a positive way. Because yeah. hey, before it was just a it was just a fun thing to do, even more so a hobby, right? And not that we're changing this into all work, no play type of situation. But I mean, if you guys care and everybody cares, then all right, we'll give you more. Like if that's what you want, we're gonna give you more. And if you want more than that, we'll, we'll just keep keep pushing ahead until you know you guys are sick of us <laughs> yeah basically i mean I, I, yeah that's 100 percent right um all right man should we get into the final division breakdown of this four-week series yeah and i think that it's almost like you know it's kind of ironic because it's the end of a, a long four-week breakdown of the nhl and also, it's the beginning of what's coming forward. So I think that this this Atlantic breakdown is going to be symbolic for us to say, out with the old, in with the new. And since we're talking about old to new, I'll talk about low to high. Let's start with the Ottawa Senators. So I want to ask you, like, what's your, genuinely, what's your take on the Sens? Just because they, they seem on paper to be a completely stacked team. That would in in what I thought would be kind of close to rivaling a team like Florida, sitting in the bottom of the Atlantic. I don't know why, I, but it just it just feels like every time, every time I see every time I see him play, like or see a game on or whatever, I'm like, hey, cool. This looks this might could this could possibly be like a you know a, a route for the Sens, and it just turns out that they get obliterated, and so it just doesn't make any sense to me. Do you think it's a GM issue? Do you think it's a coaching issue? Do you think it's maybe just like need to mix up the lines because there's no chemistry issue? What do you think? Uh, it, here's the thing, man. It's that Ottawa's sitting at, what, nine wins, ten losses. They they are aggressively mid in this league right now. But the problem is, again, I've said this before with every team except for you know the Sharks. It's It's not necessarily, I don't think, an issue with Ottawa. I think it's the fact that this is just such a tough league now. And and historically and statistically, if you go back years and years and years, it's just never been the first of all, the league's never been as high scoring as it is right now. Period. The the league has never been as fast as it is right now. And right. with with the fact that, you know, for better or for worse, the NHL is really harping about hitting hard and, you know, 
calling penalties for that. And like I said, we can get into a whole nother debate about officiating in another episode because I don't even want to start right now because I have so much to say. But I really think it breaks down to the fact that Ottawa has, as a franchise, has not progressed with how fast and how how good this league is. Look, we look at we look at Chicago, right? We can see the holes in Chicago. Not only because you're a fan, not because only because they're an original six team, so spotlight's always going to be on them. Not because they're one of the most grossing franchises right now. Period. Which we just found out like two weeks ago. I did not know that, but <laughs> it. it, it it is the fact that Ottawa hasn't kept up with how fast the league has progressed. And like I said, if it's only 5% more intense, fast, and high scoring every year, they haven't ca- caught up with that in a few, right? So that could be 20-30% more like insane speed scoring that they just haven't kept up with. Again, I don't think it's necessarily something wrong with Ottawa. I think it's them just not keeping up with the league. And you can look at the teams at the top and say, oh, those teams are the ones that are spearheading the progress which is in the league and even at the top of this division you can see these are the teams that are spearheading and pushing the league into being stronger better faster more intense high scoring teams and i just think ottawa's at the bottom end of it again i don't necessarily think there's something wrong with them and at any point i can i do believe just because of how this league is and how the players are they're all professionals ottawa at any moment could go on a burner and i wouldn't be surprised i'd say yeah they're ready like especially after florida did what they did you got to believe that any team here can do something i guess unless it's the Sharks, of course. But other right. than that, any team could just say, fuck it, we're done being shitty and just pop off. Arizona's an example of that, right? I mean, any of the teams that are like in the mid-range of like any division you, that have just not been... like, I mean, Los Angeles, right? Los Angeles historically has been a great team, but just not of recent. And all of a sudden, they're like, nah, no, we're going to gun for the cup this year. It's like... It's it's crazy all around, and again, I don't necessarily think it's Ottawa, their players, or even their organization. I think it's just once it clicks, it'll click, and hopefully it doesn't click right now because I don't need another juggernaut team coming out of nowhere messing with everything that's going on in the league, to be honest. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Every team can go on a tear. Um, at any time, like like we've said, and like how every everyone knows, it's a long eighty-two game season. Not every streak is sustainable. Not every losing streak is sustainable. Not every winning streak is sustainable. Um, what's crazy to me is like how young this team is, and you know, you, I think you, I think realistically, they only have like maybe two, two to four players that are that are over thirty, and like two or three players that are over twenty-five, and so they have a lot of gelling that they need to do. But like I said, like this, this just seems like a very, very stacked um, Ottawa team on paper, right? So like, of course, your your top three that lead in points are Tim Stutzel, uh, Stutzy, Giroux, and Kachuk. Who obviously, I mean, all those are, you know, very kind of, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, world renowned scorers. Um, but you know, out of all of them. Brady Kachuk has the most goals at 11. You know, they rely very heavily on on the passing game is what it seems like, right? Or the kind of the dirty, gritty goals, um, you know, rebounds off of, a, off of a goaltender, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I, I, I wish they would do better just given the talent that they have on their team. I mean, picking up Vladimir Tarasenko, 
You have Dominic Kubelik. You, like I said, you have Tim Stutzel. You have Claude Giroux, who might be at the tail end of his career, or unless he pulls Patrick Kane and somehow he's now in the prime of his career at 33 years old. Um, and then you have one half of the Kachuk brothers. And, you know, I feel like those, those four or five that I named, um, you, could, you could build a juggernaut around them. Um, I don't think the spending is there yet. I also don't think that they understand the kind of like the level of intensity that they have, if that makes any sense. Um, like, I think more, more or less like the level of just talent that they have. Um, I do believe in maybe about two to three years, you're going to see the roles kind of flipped and you're, we're going to be talking about them last. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I got high hopes for Ottawa. I really do. I really don't think that they're basement dwellers by any means. But, uh, you know, this, like I said, this season's long, it's grueling, and, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where they end. I really don't think they're going to be in the bottom for, lo- for long, but, uh, you know, as of right now, you know, nine wins, 10 losses, 18 points, you kind of just got to fall, you just kind of got to ride where the chips fall, you know what I mean? I agree, man, and it's, in my opinion, it's, again, not much more else you can say about it, it just, it just ends up being what it is right and i think that it could it could they could definitely change but we'll, we'll we'll have to see but again it's the bottom of the league in their division and eventually eventually those teams at the bottom won't be at the bottom anymore i just think that this season is just too much going on and too many moving parts for other teams for them to kind of right. shine because i mean they have like you said they have great players it's just you know it's a hard league it is much harder than it's ever been in my opinion Sure. I, it's a much faster league. It's a much, um, when the hits are allowed, it's a very hard hitting league. Um, now in, well, I wouldn't say the hitting part as far as like, if you want to stack it up to like the nineties and early two thousands, but it is a much faster and, uh, very high scoring league now than it, than it has been since I could remember. So I, I really think that I think that they're going to figure it out. And I think that they're going to figure out that a lot of their younger guys are going to be dominant scorer, dominant scorers. Um, you know, I'd like to see Dominic Kubelik, you know, the ex Blackhawk. I always follow him, um, except for when he was on Detroit. But, uh, you know, I, I just like I like I like this team. I really do. Um, so it'll be it just be interesting to see. Uh, where where the chips fall at the end of the year and and to see what kind of you know what kind of moves that they're going to make at the end of the year uh, what kind of moves they're going to make at the deadline if there are any but uh, it's going to be fun it's going to be fun to watch I really think in my opinion I really think Ottawa is going to be a team to watch come past the deadline Um, yeah for sure then we can roll right into that next team in the division Um, did you want to start with Buffalo I, yeah, I have definitely have lots to say, so you can you can start. I'll start. I'll make this short and sweet. I really feel like this is a team that could switch with Ottawa. I there are no, in my opinion, in my wholehearted opinion, there's no world beaters on this team. There's, I mean, you have, um, fuck, what's his name, Casey Middlestat, who's leading the lead, who's leading the way with 21 points. You have Rasmus Dahlin, a defenseman with 20 points. Um, I will say the one thing that I really like about Buffalo was the fact that they did lock up Deline and Owen Power to some pretty gnarly extensions. I like that. You you nailed down your your defensive core um and you build around that because you have very offensive defensemen there. 
um, that kind of kind of resemble a little bit of like a Brent Brent Burns and and Eric Carlson. Um, you know, big bodies that can shoot the puck, pass it, you know, whatever, you know, just just accumulate, just try to generate scoring chances. Um, I like them. A, I, I, I like them a lot, but also it's like you kind of don't have like it's almost like you're kind of lucking into a lot of these wins. Um, albeit I don't really watch Buffalo as much, but the games I do watch. It just kind of feels like they have a lot of puck luck right now and a lot of bounces that go their way. Um, if there's any Buffalo Sabres fans that are listening and you feel offended by my words, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. These are my opinions. You're listening for my meatball ass fucking takes. All right. <laughs> you're, exactly. Yeah. You're not logging on to, to hear some analytic fucking dude come and talk about like, oh, well, you know, he's. He's in this percentile, blah blah blah. No, I'm gonna tell you straight up. I don't like the, I don't like that. You know, they may be second last in the division, but they should be last in the division. There's no way a team that has you know the scores that they do, and and in in Ottawa and and their their basement dwellers compared to a team that's got you know two 20 point scores, two 18s, a 17, 12, 12, and 11 point scores in Buffalo. And on the same token, on the same hand, I know this is going to sound contradicting, but on the same hand, how do you have that kind of goal score, that, that, that kind of like point scoring this early into the season, 20, what, 24 games in? And, yeah. and you're only you're second in the division. Well, that's, I, a, per- I, that's, a, perfect, that's a perfect segue. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, it's a it. perfect segue because that's what I was going to say. They are right now probably the worst New York team and that's not me being mean, but you know, I being a New York fan, right? You stack up against the other New York teams. We talk about the New York teams. I follow the New York teams, but that's a good point. In one way, they are like the Rangers, where it's not just your top six, right? It's almost everyone's contributing, and that and that's why you see a lot of points across the board. I know that Tage Thompson is on injury reserve right now, which is not good, absolutely not good for Buffalo. But if you look at the lineup. You look at the roster, you look at the point spread, where the points are, and you can see that a lot of a lot of players on this team contribute. Again, they went through a little stint there with Devin Levi. They're trying him up, and again, he didn't he was he's a great goalie. You can tell that he's gonna be great in the future, but he's young. Unfortunately, he's too young right now. And the difference between that New York and my New York is one simple thing. We have incredible goaltendership we have jonathan quick who said you know what i'm tired of being old i'm gonna look young every game that i play and you know again igor shesterkin who usually he was one of the he was in the top of the league still top three in my opinion but he's the guy who lets one in and says you know what i'm shutting the fucking door or lets a couple soft ones in and shuts the door or says you know what this is the game is getting serious it's time to play to the best of my abilities which his ceiling is so high and like i said when he's on his shit it's not much that you can do as, as as an opposing team. You can let some soft ones in every once in a while. He lets like a a goal you know he wish he would he could get back. They say that all the time, right? That's what he wish he could get back. Igor does that all the time, but he also has the ability to shut the door. So that's the big difference between Buffalo and New York because you can see that the point spread and that the responsibility is being shared between the team and everybody's trying to contribute. When you lose Tage Thompson on a team like Buffalo. It's not going to be good. Obviously, you need him there. And I, I mean, look, they sent 
they sent Levi down to what, Rochester Americans, which is their AHL team, and he's lighting it up, right? So it's a, a, a different speed. And once he gets acclimated, I know he's going to tear up the AHL. He's going to be absolutely insane there. They're going to start him most nights, and then he's going to do so well that they're going to have to pull him up from the NHL. And I think they could, like, the real big turn in their franchise is going to be when that kid gets developed enough to play against real NHL fast top of the league teams when he's able to come and compete with them and when he's able to actually, you know, be part of the league and not just a guy who's a young kid who they're not sure if he's going to work out. Once he becomes a, a starting goalie for Buffalo, I believe a lot of things are going to change because I think that that guy's ceiling is at the top of the league. I believe a hundred percent he could be in a top five goalie situation where he's always being talked about and brought up. But again, he's young. You seeing inklings of it, but he's a young kid, and I believe that once he develops, Buffalo is going to be a, a very, very nasty team if they can, you know, all stay healthy and keep contributing at the way that they're doing. Right? Sure, hundred um, percent. Yeah, there's one thing that you can notice about this team is that it's definitely a goalie issue more than it is a school or a, a goal scoring issue. Um, exactly. Yeah, like your your highest winning goalie in 24 games is is Uka Pekalukinen, and and the dude's got six wins on the year. Um, Great name, but not a great record, right? (laughs) Great name, but not a great record. He's got a he has a winning, like a a, a plus five hundred winning percentage right now. But you know where there there has been three three goalies so far in twenty four games that that Buffalo has dressed. You know you had you know Devin Levi, Uka Pekalukinen, and then you had uh, Comrie, who I believe is a is a rookie, if I'm not mistaken, or or a journeyman, Eric Comrie. But, um, you know, Levi's got three wins. Comrie's got one win. You know, both of them are sub-500 winning percentages. Uka's a plus. Uka Peck, uh, uh, you know, he's, you know, a plus-500 winning percentage. So I really feel like you got you to gotta pick your goalie and you got to ride with him. Obviously, I understand back-to-backs, switch it up. Duh. No goalie really plays back-to-backs like that. But... Um, I really feel like you got to stop with the goalie carousel and, 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 and pick one and, and rock with it and then see, see what other holes develop. Is it maybe a defensive issue on your, on your second and third line defenseman? You know, is that an issue? Is it, is it, is it a goalie issue? But it, you know, obviously it's not a goal scoring issue when you have two players in 20 plus in 20 plus points in 24 games, almost averaging a game, a point a game, you know, it's obviously not a goal scoring issue. So you got to look at your, your defensive aspect of it and and your goalie aspect of it, which I know is exactly what you just said, but I just wanted to harp on it a little bit more because I really feel like a lot of times when these teams go on losing streaks or have a losing record or whatever, a lot of it falls on the forwards shoulders as far as, as far as like, Hey, these are the reasons why we're losing games because we don't have any like scoring opportunities or scoring chances. But really, it's like you know, like what what do I always say, Breezy? What do I always say? Defense, offense, offense, the offense wins, wins games. games. Defense wins championships. Exactly. So That's, I knew it. I could say it. I I'm good. I remember I stuff. You didn't, but it's okay. I'll give you a gold star for trying anyway. But. You know, I, I I really I really feel like if they didn't, you know, if they didn't play Devin Levi in some games, like okay, so let's break it down, right? The past two games, the last two games, right? Yesterday 
and then uh, November 30th, they were outscored 12 to 6. One of those losses came on Uka Pekka's shoulders, obviously, 6 to 4 against, uh, 6 4 loss against St. Louis. Um, does he want a couple of those goals back? Sure. Did his offense not bail him out? Sure. But at the end of the day, you're the last stop of defense. I didn't watch that game. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch that game. So I don't exactly know where everything went to hell, right? But I, but I do know you got to stop pucks. Your job is to stop pucks. Facts. Um, you know, and then, you know, what happened on the 27th? You know, they beat New York 5-1. to one. That's where your goal scoring comes out. You know, your goal scoring have, has a day. Your goalie has a day. When those two are clicking and your offense has a day and your goalie has a day, you're fucking unstoppable. Obviously, it showed against the Rangers. So, yeah. And like I said, it's, <clears throat> and that was a great point to bring up too, because I was going to get into it, but you already did. So I'm not going to talk about it. But it, it's, it, you have the capability to beat the best teams in the league. And honestly, and I love this because, look, I've been harping about this since we started this thing. Moving on to Montreal and all the teams that come, all of the teams in this in this division and across the league, right? They're all the same. Look, uh, Buffalo is only one point away from Montreal. Montreal is literally two points behind Tampa Bay, which is three points behind Toronto, which is one point behind Detroit, which is one point behind Florida. And right. I will break down all these teams, but that's my entire point of this whole thing is, yeah, you want to sit at the bottom of the barrel with Buffalo, but they're one point out from moving up. And that team's two points out, and the other team is three points out, and one, and right. one. And it's like every team could flip-flop again. It would not surprise me to see all of them moving up and down the lineup. And when you have a team like Toronto in the middle, which is a shoe in to make the playoffs, and then Tampa Bay, which is prolifically over the last few seasons a dynasty, right? And then you have sure. Detroit, original six, gritty. If you're going against them, you know it's going to be physical because they play that old style hockey. And Florida, the 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 underdogs that just won't quit, who are only reigning being- Eastern defense, Eastern Conference champions, mind you. Yeah, the 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 team that just won't quit, and they're only five points out from Boston, the the best team of the last two years, right? How so bad did that hurt for you to say that. Look, it hurts to say, but I got to be honest. Like I said, you, you, I, no, one hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent. You got to be honest about it because it, it's facts are facts. Their goaltendership has been insane. The offense has been fucking the outputting. The, the, they've been gritty. Besides Marchant being a jerk off all the time, the whole team is doing what they need to do to win games and win them dominantly. Again, and then we're, we're, we're going a little bit ahead of ourselves because we're at the top of the league right now, but we'll bring it back to Montreal, and I'll say it does not surprise me to see any of these teams flip-flop in the Atlantic because that's how the NHL is now. No team is better than any other team. It's just at the moment. Any team can make a run and say, I'm better. It showed last year when Boston was bounced first round. Yeah, you're the best team regular season, but someone can say, I'm done being a loser. I'm done losing games. I want to win. And any team team can do that. And Exactly. Any team can do that. And I'll point out from Montreal, again, Montreal might be at the bottom of the barrel, and I don't got much else to say about Montreal other than that, but they can move up, they can move down. That's just how hockey go. That's just how it go. That's That's how hockey be doing. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't have much to say about Montreal. They're a team. I mean, any team can win a stream of games, right? And it's exactly what you brought up with the how close the that the Atlantic Division is, with the exception of the top, you know, the top two, basically. Um, 
you know, especially with the top being Boston. But, you know, as far as like the bottom to to the middle, it's all separated by by a back to back, basically. Right. You know, it, it's all separated by an overtime loss or, or an overtime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of these teams could it, anything could change this week. By the time that we record our next episode, it, 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 it this whole this whole division could be shaken. You know what I mean? Like you could have Ottawa jump a couple of spots or jump one spot at least. You know, Buffalo could drop. Could drop. Montreal could jump Tampa or even even get close. Get a point behind Toronto or whatever the case. However, however the chips roll within this week is is just testament to, you know, basically throw pucks on net and see what happens. And um, I really don't. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I don't have much to say about Montreal as far as like you know. I I'm I'm glad that Marty St. Louis is still in the league. I'm glad that he's getting a chance at a head coaching job. I believe he's doing a, a decent job with Montreal, given the, you know, the talent level he has. Um, I really feel bad for Kirby Doc, who, you know, uh, here we go again with another, you know, ex Blackhawk. You know, I was very high on Kirby Doc coming into this year. I was high on Kirby Doc in, in when he was in Chicago. The problem is, is the poor dude can't fucking stay healthy. You know, he broke his hand in, 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 I think it was like the winter games or the junior, the, the juniors or something like that. I can't remember when it was. It was a couple of years back. But he broke his hand on a hit, and it was almost like he was never the same. And then he took a hit against, I can't remember who it was that hit him, but it was against the Blackhawks, and it sidelined him for, I can't remember. I, I don't remember if it was like the rest of the season or if it was just the week or whatever, but, you know, it's just another another showing of of the poor guy can't cannot break the injury bug you know and it sucks yeah yeah but and you know that's part of the game that we love and it's part of the game that we call you know knife soccer is what i call it <laughs> yeah it's this it's what it's known internationally across the world as knife soccer it's everybody knife says soccer. that yeah it's it coined i call it, it dibs yeah but, um <laughs> i mean you got like i said uh, i drafted him in this fantasy draft you got nick suzuki He's going to put up points. He's going to do something along the way. Um, you got that Wi-Fi dude. I believe that he's just a young guy. I like Wi-Fi. You got Wi-Fi on there, and like I said, other than that, it, it yeah, there's other players on the team, but it, it it's it's just beating a dead horse talking about the Canadians the way that we're about to. So again, they can move up, they can move down. It, it's not too far out. Um, we can move on to Tampa Bay. It's very obvious what the problems were and have been. Right, Vasilevsky yeah. had back surgery. Yeah. Top three goalie in the league has been out for, you know, 75% of this season already. And I'm sure that they're playing him soft because they don't want him to get hurt again right now. But you not having an Igor Shosturkin or not having a Sorokin is going to mess up the Islanders or the Rangers, right? And sure. not having a top, like, in my opinion, until proven otherwise, he's still, you, you could put Allmark in there. You could, you could make that, you could make that for Bobrovsky. You could say that like for a top five, but even if we're talking about a top five, Vasilevsky still going to be there because the ceiling is so high. He mm-hmm. can do things that other goalies cannot do again. Is it consistency? We don't know yet. He got hurt. He's coming back. But I believe he's in that top five where it, it, he could float around. And if he had a, if he just had the time and he's healthy again, he can make a run and be like, I don't know. That dude could probably win another Vesna soon. You know, like that's just the way that it goes with these guys. Their ceiling is just so incredibly high. Tampa Bay needs Vasilevsky. But again, 
that only puts them three points out from Toronto. And I mean, they got players, right? They got depth. They got they got lines. It, it, it's it's nothing other than you have the, one of the best goalies in the world not in. And I think that's really what it comes down to, right? Right, and and un- it's an unfortunate thing because, like you know, I really like Vasilevsky. I really think that he's, you know, I like, and this is going to be controversial of a take, but I like that he's kind of manipulated his equipment a little bit to make him look bigger in the net, and I know that's worked out for him. Like I don't remember if you saw. I think it was when they went back to back, but it was like, uh, uh, it was a it was a picture of the the handshake line where he was talking to the other goaltender, and I can't I can't remember what series it was, but I know it was in the playoffs, and I know it was when they won the cup. But he was talking to the other goaltender, and he just looked fucking massive. And the other goalie was the same height and same size as him on paper, but his equipment was obviously significantly smaller than Vasilevsky's. So I like that he manipulated it. Um, I thought that was funny. But this kind of sh- this kind of shows me that 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 Tampa put a lot of stock in their in their offensive production rather than their, their goaltending production. If that makes any sense, like yes, they, right. They had put all of their eggs in Vasilevsky's basket, thinking that he's the iron man, immortal soul that can don the net till the end of time. But as it shows, obviously he's human. The problem is, is you've exactly. done nothing to develop. You've done nothing to develop a, decent secondhand goaltender you know and, and it's, it's true helps. and, in and fact, yeah it, i mean the record speaks for itself right you're talking about a team that has literally been a dynasty in in, in this in just in the early 2020s right you know we're only three years into to, to the 2020 decade and and tampa has shown to be an absolute dominant should be taking over the atlantic a year in year out and be favorites for the Stanley Cup year in, year out. And now their their god of a goaltender becomes human again. And now it's like now they're sitting middle pack. Now they're what was it? Like two points out from from Montreal taking over? Two, three points. Exactly. Two points. Exactly. And I mean, like, look, you got Stamkos, you got to keep off. I mean, you have some you got Bright Point, right? You have some great players on there. They acquire Tyler Mott from the Rangers. Tyler Mott was always a late uh, trade deadline acquisition that we would get. Not because of his offensive points. If you looked at his points and his spread, you'd be like, why the fuck would you pick this guy up? He's a very defensive forward. He's always in the like he, he kills penalties. He gets in the mix. He uses his body. He's always being a pest. That's why they picked him up. I love Tyler Mott. I think he was a great player. But that's the kind of stuff you got going on, right? Anthony Sorelli, there's names in there. Maybe he's not producing as much, but he's there, right? It's mm-hmm. never it's never been a forward issue. It's never been a, a offensive defenseman issue. It's more so to their back end, right? Because at the end of the day, and we're going to get into this with Toronto. I talk about this all the time, but we're going to get into it with Toronto. But like again, you can't just score and and hope that your back end is not going to have any chances to be scored on, right? It's just as, just as important to have a strong defensive line, and your defense ends with your goalie. And to lose Vasilevsky is like when if Igor is out, right? It's it's a big hit. Luckily, we have someone like Jonathan Quick to hop in and who's doing amazing right now. And then we have 
again, one of my, what I think is one of the best third liners in, in the NHL right now, period. You know, we got Louis Deming down in the AHL that comes up and is able to do what Louis Deming does. And that's be right. a pest and be sat and not play for very long, but then hop into the NHL and then do really well. But so when for- he does hop in and when he does play, he's that of Jonathan Quick, of that, uh, he can it, fill exactly if needed. Exactly. He's 80% of what they are at the bare minimum. And nine times out of 10, that's all you need if your offense is clicking and your defense is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Unfortunately for Tampa Bay, it just, it's not, it's a hundred percent effort on the front end and like 50% to 80% on the back end without Vasilevsky. And unfortunately 50% on that defensive side, including your goalie is not enough to win games in this league. That's just what it is. Right. I mean, you're talking about a team that's sitting I don't know, at 500, right? They're sitting 10, 10, and 5. Yeah. And your highest your highest scorer on the team is sitting with 40 points. Yes. At 24 games in. 25 games in. What? Exactly. Like you, have, you, have, you have a 30-year-old Nikita Kucherov who's making a, making a point or making a case to win the Art Ross, and you're sitting at a 500. Like does mm-hmm. does that not tell you that you need to start investing in some goaltending or at least some 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 better defense? And you're relying far too much on o- o- offensive output than you are actually trying to stop pucks and keep yourself in games. There's no reason why Nikita Kucherov should have 40 fucking points a quarter of the way through the fucking season for the Lightning to be 10, 10, and five. That's that's not. You can't do that. You can't. On that, you cannot win a championship on offense alone. You know you can make that same argument for Vegas, where they had—I mean, for fuck's sake—they blew out. They blew out Tampa on on the or not Tampa. Sorry, they blew out Florida on you know the back of a Mark Stone hat trick in Game Five of the of the Stanley Cup. You can't make that same argument of like, well, if Vegas did it because they had dominant goal scoring, they also had the lone mountain himself. Aiden fucking hill who took over for an injured logan thompson and stood on his fucking head the entire time and kept other teams out of out of play and that's that's a perfect example right there because like we can we can talk shit about nights all day and half of it's joking some of it is serious because we like to get serious about things not just oh they're good because they're good no we like to break it down but that's a perfect example right hill stepped into a strong strong team that had a really good chance to making it to a cup, obviously because they won it, but their biggest problem was always that, you know, they always worried about offense and the defense was, it left flurry out to dry. They always left flurry out to dry historically. And then they blamed everything on him. And there were games that his are his fault. But when a goalie came in, said, I'm the second pick after the second pick, right? No one even expects me to be here. You had a great, uh, Bourgeois was doing well, right? You had um, Leonard, who was good for a little bit, but when he got scored on, he got in his head. You had Marc-Andre Fleury, who you let go for whatever reason, and it is what it is, right? I mean, you had all these goalies that you rotated through in just a, in just a couple seasons. And then this guy came in and said, you know what? I'm going to give this – and that's what he did. He gave them a chance to win. That's what happened. Your goalie gives you a chance to win every single night. Igor Shosturkin gives the Rangers a chance to win. Jonathan Quick gives them a chance to win. That's all they need, right? Let me take that mental game out that says, if this puck gets to my goalie, it's going in. It's got to be more confident. Like, if it gets to Hill, if it gets to Igor, if it gets to whoever's in net, 
I got to believe that if it's a one-on-one, he's going to be able to stop it. Yeah, sometimes the breakaways, right? You cover one guy and just hope that you're that the open man is going to be covered. But th- that's not there. And you hope that there. you have faith in your goaltender to make a fucking exactly. stop. Exactly. You can't do that with Tampa. Unless no. it's Vasilevsky and net. You cannot do that with Tampa. And that's and that, a, that's a very upsetting aspect of it, but it's the fucking truth of it, and that's why they're ten and ten. Like that's you know that's just that's just the way it is. That's that's the unfortunate part. If Tampa invested a little bit more into their goaltending, like they did with their offense, they would be nowhere near Boston at number one in the Atlantic. True, and 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 it rolls. Perfectly beautifully right into Toronto, right? They're they're only three points away from Toronto. Toronto has, you know, Nylander who is is lighting it up, doing his thing. Austin Matthews that at twenty-five points is is low for him, right? Which is which is pretty insane to say, right? Sixteen goals, nine assists is low for him. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's usually on track to be higher than that, I would say, or even better than that, blowing the doors off. But even still at that point, two insane guys on their team who can put up points. And that's the thing. It's never been about if they can score. And this is the reason why Toronto doesn't go the distance besides last year before their second round bounce. They can go the distance because of their sheer offensive output that we never talk about their defense. And even right now, they're middle of the pack, only a couple points away from being third, fourth. You know what I'm saying? They're right there. And that's another thing. Even right now, no one's really talking about the defense because the defense doesn't match their offensive output. Again, it, it is something that we never talk about. It's so hilarious because I bring it up all the time, right? You have goalies in that. You have Samson off. I, I get it. The defense will fold. It's easy to score on Toronto. And like how we were talking, it's a good team gauger where you're at because they're going to put your goalie to the test, but then it also lets lines of yours score and jive and and get confidence against a team that's really good because you're going to get pucks in the net against Toronto, right? It's just how many are they going to get on you because they're guaranteed going to get some in the net. Can you stop as many as you put in the back of theirs? That's really what it comes – that's the match you play against Toronto. All the game goes out the window. It's they're going to score on you, and you got to score on them. But when you play your game – and you can stop their offense and make sure that they don't score, the game falls apart, right? They, there's nothing else that they can do because that's all they have. It's the, it's the Vegas of four years ago, right? Five years ago, where it was like, we really only care about putting pucks on net. We really only care about putting pucks on net. And if our goalie doesn't stop and get these high danger shots, we get scored on. And it's, it's unfair. It's unrealistic. I'm sure that Samsonov is not even... I'm sure he's much better than we even think he is. But again, it's that second half of defense, that line of defense, all your defensemen, your your defensive forwards coming back and being in the right position because you're so out of position because all you're worrying about is getting goals in the net, you know? Right. Right. Now, to, what I could say is like Toronto might be an exception of the rule of, you know, you cannot rely solely on offensive production. But obviously that the way that they're running things is working. And and Samsonov is is a good sure. goalie. He is a, he is a damn good goalie. I I've always liked him. Um, does he have his bad days? Sure, hundred percent. Does he let goals squeak by? Sure. What goalie doesn't? Show me what fucking goalie doesn't ha- doesn't have games like that. They're a good team. I think they should be a little bit higher than four four fourth place in the Atlantic. Um, they'd be third place in the Metro, <laughs> but they um. 
they're kind of like almost an exception to the rule where you know maybe in the, the maybe in this instance it could be you know defense wins games but your offense will win you a championship the problem is, is you need to make sure that that offense stays completely sustainable in the playoffs yeah. otherwise you run into the same butt of the fucking joke as oh toronto can't make it to the fucking second round you know, and or- that's what it is yeah they have to sustain that pressure and they have to sustain that you know offensive scoring ability but and before we even get any further, look, this is no disrespect to Toronto because they are a team. They have players. And sure. the thing is, the the all the things that we said negative still puts them fourth, one point out of third, and two points out of second, right? Yeah. In a in a in a division that has Boston. So all again, that takes is a back to back. Literally. Or, or just a one little three game bender and you have second place solely to yourself. Literally, and it's again. You can make the joke about Toronto, and you can say, "Oh, they always get bound." Blah blah blah. blah. All right, cool. We get it. It's a joke, and it's it's funny to say. And a lot of people hate it because you know Toronto is a high franchising team. Those teams people mostly hate, and honestly, they're it's America's favorite Canadian team that are uh, the league's favorite Canadian team. They talk about them all the time, but they're not far out from being a, a real, real pest c- competitor. It's what they do True. when they get to the playoffs. And that's True. basically what you were saying. I'm piggybacking off it. It's when you get to the playoffs, can you sustain that offense? Or is it more realistic to double down on defense? And if you score, you can score great, but hold down the line. Make sure yeah. you don't get scored on. Because it's a lot easier to defend than it is to put pucks in the back of the net, right? At least right now in this league against these other teams, I believe it'd be better, easier to build a stronger defense than it would be to find more Matthews or more the Landers, right? Instead of going that way, you'd be able to find a lot of great defensemen that can help your back end. You're not going to find a bunch of Matthews and the Landers because if those guys aren't clicking it on 100%, that's where they have problems. And that's just yeah. where my head's at with it. And you better hope, and this is the last thing that I'll say on Toronto, because there's really not much that you, else you can say other than, you know, they're sitting at where they should be sitting. Now, the next team that we'll get to, um, you know, being Detroit, kind of came out of fucking nowhere this year, but we'll get to them. But the last thing that I'll say on Toronto is you better hope that they're going to offer Nylander a blank check and say write a number on it. Because he has been, he's not a Matthews or or yeah, a, a or a Marner. Although with the exception of this year cuz dude's sitting at 29 points right now. But he's not, you know, that world beater that is Austin Matthews or or a Mitch Marner, but he is a very solid and very consistent forward. Um you can kind of you I feel like you could plug him in on any line and he'll he'll produce for you, which is what you want. And so I'm really hoping that if they don't offer him that contract, he says, fuck y'all, I'm going to free agency. I'm really hoping that Chicago is the team to to sit there and be like, hey, we have a lot of fucking money to spend. Here's a blank check. Write as many zeros as you want. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping Toronto realizes the kind of diamond in the rough that they have. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, he's been very consistent. He's always been on the score sheets. Um, you know, but I'm just hoping that they finally fucking realize it and they, that they, that they hand him over that blank check and, you know, but in in the meantime, we're going to move on to our third place in the Atlantic, which is that of the Detroit Red Wings. Now, can I lead off on this one? Absolutely. Okay. So, cause I got a lot to fucking say about, about Detroit. Now, let me preface this by saying I have been conditioned. Since I was a little boy, you fucking hate Detroit sports. 
You hate the Lions. You hate the Red Wings. You hate the Tigers. Two of my all-time favorite Blackhawks have now donned a Red Wings jersey. Alex Debrinkit inks a three-year fucking contract. Tough. Fuck. Huh? That's tough. That's very tough. Then, what was it, a week ago? Yes. Patrick Kane signs a two-year contract with the Red Wings. Tough. Very, very tough. Dude pulled a Chelios. <laughs> now, I want to ask you this. Because I don't think I don't, I, I don't think Kane has played a game yet for the Red Wings. He has not. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm on Kane watch right now, brother. I got you. All right. Well, I well I thought that he was going to play against the Rangers the other night, so I was watching that game looking for 88. Me too, brother. I was sitting there like, no, please don't stop. I mean, because I know I, I'll get into it in a minute, but you know what I was thinking. Well, you know exactly I, what I was thinking. Like, no. Well, Kane, that's exactly please, what stop, I was please, thinking. No. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's exactly what I was fucking thinking. Because the next day they were playing the fucking Blackhawks. So I was like, oh, please, God, no, 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 please, no. <laughs> to say that you have arthritis in your hip, you can't play, you're not ready yet. Just don't fucking play against Chicago right now. Uh, yeah, you got a stomachache. You got to sit a game out. Just don't, <laughs> don't come back this week. My, my, t- my elbow feel funny. Um, but you and I talked about this the other, the other day. And we said, save it for the pod, save it for the pod. Where do you plug him in on this, on this, on this team? And 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 mind you, hold on before you get into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> before you fucking piss me off, where do you plug him in on a very high scoring team, and in a team that has all four lines buzzing, right? This where is do great, you plug him in? Yeah, this is a great great topic here, honestly, because I had a I had a take that honestly after after further review review on the play. The the play is no good. It's offsides, right? Um, uh, you fucking I, bitch. I'm and I, look. I'll 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 at least say what I said. I would say, I wouldn't disrupt the team that's doing very well by throwing in Patrick Kane. That's what I said. Okay, look, I know who Debrinket is. Okay, but I am not a Chicago fan. I didn't realize how insane. I knew that they were great together. Okay, but I did my research. I didn't realize what it was. And speaking to you makes more sense on why Kane really did sign with Detroit. He wants to play with Debrinket again, and I understand that. My whole thing was is I wouldn't disrupt a a team that was doing as well as they were doing. But from day one, they gave up 88 so Kane can stay 88. Their whole mentality. That was such a cool fucking thing of Sprong to do. Because Kane earned eighty eight, he is eighty eight. He's synonymous with being number eighty eight, and I get it was that. Such a cool thing. Like, didn't it was, ask for anything. Like, yeah. that was so fucking cool. And that was that was really, and that was that changed. That look, I don't give a fuck about him and Debrinket. Okay, they have, they can do whatever the fuck they want to do. They can be the best ever. Believe it or not, that's the thing that made me say, okay, he's going to be line one or two, because they might restructure their lines now because Kane is here. But they are saying, look. We believe that Kane is going to come back strong. We believe that he's going to come back hungry. We believe he's going to come back wanting to go as far as this whole train's going to take him. Mm-hmm. And doing that made me say, okay, Kane's going to come in the lineup. They're going to start him off, put him where he needs to be, and that's just what it's going to be. It's not going to be like, a, I don't want to disrupt. No, no, no. They know that they're going to build this team with Kane. 
They're probably going to play him with the Brinkett. Why would you not? But they're all in on Kane, not because, you know, they're dick riding Kane, but because they said, look, if you're going to come over here, you're going to be part of Detroit. You're not just going to be a floating Detroit player for a season, whatever. I mean, they locked him in for more than one already. So their whole mentality in Detroit, the Red Wings mentality, is that he's going to be part of this team. Like, okay, great. You did your thing with Chicago. You had a small little tour in New York, right? That goes out the window. You're a Detroiter now. You are a Red Wing. You are part of this team. And I believe that they're not, it's going to be just that. They're going to make it the swan song for him. It's going to be his last play. It's going to be the last little note in his story. Whether they win a cup, whether whatever happens, they're going to say, look, we want Kane to be synonymous with Detroit now. Mm-hmm. He had his thing with Chicago. He did a small little tour in New York. But we want, when people think of the 88, when they think of like like Showtime, right? It's no longer Showtime on Broadway. It's Showtime in red, right? And that is Detroit. That's what well, they he want. Already, he was already and, Showtime in red anyway, but whatever. I'm, you know what I'm saying, right? I He's going to be Showtime in red wings, okay? He's going to be red wings, okay? That's what they're trying to do, and I believe that that's what they're going to push for. So, I, again, I had a take, and I still believe my take is valid, but they're showing me otherwise. They are showing me the opposite. I can believe that, and that can be my opinion, and I can be wrong eventually, or I could have been right, but they're doing everything to show me that they're going the other way with it, that they are going to make him part of the franchise and not just a player on the roster for this season. Well, I really fucking don't like you right now because I was very much ready to argue with you, and I was very much ready for me to get my blood pressure raised today. I can be wrong, and I can admit it. Just, just to totally recant your entire argument that we had the other night, but whatever. I, I mean, my my argument was, you don't sign Patrick Kane, who just had hip surgery, who that was a big deal that he came back six months ahead of schedule, right? You don't sign him to put him on your bottom six. You sign him because. The whole reason he wanted to go to Detroit, which I, I don't know if it's the whole reason, but let's be honest, he he has had no real tie to Detroit. For the first half of his career, Detroit was a fucking sworn enemy to Chicago. You know, and, and especially in 2013 when Chicago eliminated, came back from three to one, three one series deficit, came back, beat him Brent Seabrook's overtime winner in game seven. You know, and, and that was the he was conditioned to hate the fucking Red Wings in the start of his career until the the redesign of the of the divisions. And, and let me hop in real quick because I want to yeah, say something right. because Kane Kane has hit a point in his career, period. Right? He's hitting that he's hitting that status where you know if the if the Holy Trinity fell apart in Pittsburgh, Sid the kid could go wherever he wants. He's earned that. Patrick Kane can go wherever he wants. He's earned that. I believe that's a. No one will take him because his contract's too high. He'd have to take a serious cut. But that's the same thing with like Artemi Panarin. You see what he's doing, and he's not there yet, like with Sid the Kid and Kane. But he's coming into that role where he'll be there one day. I believe it. That you you put in your work, you put in your time. Right. Sometimes they don't work out, and that's just how hockey goes. You got to trade. But Kane and Sid. I mean, uh, the only person I can't say that with is probably Ovechkin. But Sid the Kid. Kane, you put your time in, you've done what you needed to do, right? You've earned the right to go play hockey anywhere else. And that's even where the point where, like, even Chicago, it's like, hey, bro, good luck, right? That's 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 usually not the case, right? It's like, fuck you if you're not on my team. I'm so mad that you left, whatever, whatever. He's earned the right to play hockey somewhere else. And I think that's what it is. Plus, 
original six team. An original six team, and this is not just because we're both fans of an original six team. I believe if it's an original six team, right, at any moment, they could just blow it up. And they show that. The Rangers right now. It's the Detroit right now. You can see that an original six team, it, it, it might just be a title. It might just be what happened, and you can harp on it like an old head, like an old boomer would, right? Oh, it's original six team. Of course they're good. It's like, well, that's not always the case. But <laughs> it's showing that the history, you know, the fact that you're wearing a jersey that matters and not that other jerseys don't, but it's like a jersey that has history and it means something and like it's historic to put one on. That's why Quickie came to New York, right? To be an original six team, it's to be part of something that's larger than yourself. Kane has earned the right to go to Detroit. Like whether people like it or not, it's like you're even you who is a Chicago fan who hates Detroit. You're like, hey, good luck, brother. You've earned it. You know? Mm, I don't know. And this might just be just this this might just be the way that my brain works, but you know, I was I was actually pretty pissed off when he signed with Detroit. Because like I said, I've been conditioned since I was a kid to absolutely hate anything Detroit. So when he signed with Detroit, I'm like, I fucking know why you did it, but damn it, why the fuck did it have to be Detroit? And and, sure. I, and I'm not I'm not the sole um you know what's it fucking called? I'm I'm not the only one that that thinks that. You know, if you look on Twitter in in, in you know in Blackhawks hockey Twitter, uh, I'm the only one that was just like, okay, fine, I get it. You're going to play with DeBrinket. I understand you want to play with DeBrinket. You guys, your line chemistry in Chicago was off the charts. Bowman trades him. Then then you know Kane went through you know line chemistry with with Panarin. Bowman trades him. Bowman trades Panarin. All right. Same with Kubelik. Bowman trades Kubelik. All right. Builds his chemistry with Debrinket. Bowman trades fucking Debrinket. Now Kane's sitting there like, bro, stop. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, stop fucking my shit up. Like, you have an opportunity to become, you know, to to really rely on your first first line here, and and you just you just pissed it all away, right? So then they trade to Brinkett. He goes to Ottawa, hates it in fucking, uh, fucking hates it in Ottawa. Then goes and signs with Detroit, his hometown team, and is lighting it up in, in Detroit. And now it's just like, now Kane is there too. And it's just like, God damn, I fucking, I know the reason why you went there, but God damn it, did it have to fucking be Detroit? I yeah, get but, it. But to be fair, right? I mean, Patty Kane playing on the lines that he played, like, look, Chicago was making no effort was making no effort to do anything to help him out. And before Connor Bedard, right, where was the light at the end of the tunnel for Chicago? And unfortunately, it, 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 you can't keep someone like Patrick Kane on a team that doesn't want to win or is not doing everything that it takes to make sure that they win. Yes, a prolific player can turn a franchise around, right? But Patrick Kane had been there for a while. The The, the juice was not there. It was kind of, uh, we don't really know what we're doing. We're kind of floating along as a league. Kane leaves. DeBrinket's gone. It's like, fuck, what do we have? Okay, Connor Bedard's the spark to ignite this franchise to get us back in the right place. But if it wasn't for Bedard, right, Patty Kane and DeBrinket are still there. Sure, they could, they could be lighting it up as a duo, but it's still going to be the same Chicago. You're gonna still have the same yeah. players, you know what I'm that's, saying? That's that's why I really believe that like Chicago was out on the Patrick Kane sweepstakes when he was coming back to sign, and th- yeah, I I really do believe that. Um, just you know, I'm gonna be honest. Like the 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 Kane and Taze era in Chicago is over. It's 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 the yeah. Bedard show now, and sure. and and you know, and it, it, as much as it sucks, you know, you have I, I was one that I was just like, 
Fucking bring him back for a year. Let him mentor Bedard and see what you can do. And it, it, you know, it just, obviously I knew that that wasn't going to be the case. So whatever, where were you going to go? And then you and I would have extensive conversations. Well, he could go back to New York and, and try to win a chip in New York. Okay. Well, he could go to fucking Detroit and try to win a chip in Detroit with the brinket. Or he could go to Buffalo or he could go to Florida or maybe Vegas, you know, and then signs with Detroit. And it's kind of like, okay, I get it. You, you are that, you know, you are that cornerstone. You were, you were that generational talent, not saying you're not now, but that generation has now since flipped. So, so you, you do have that opportunity to kind of go like, you know, anywhere you go, everyone starts to go, all right, here's this reason why. Okay. I get it. All right. Whatever, you know, but. I don't know, man. It just it sucked. Well, it just I'll, sucked to see. I get it, and I'll and I'll close off um, the Red Wings, my part at least, by saying because I'm the Ranger watcher, right? I let you know when a player went from the Rangers to another team. Andrew Kopp used to be a Ranger. The deep run we had that was the loss to the Tampa Bay at the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Yeah. Um, he was a part of that team. He did really well. He was one of the players we wanted to keep. As a matter of fact, at the end of that, we, they do the exit interviews for most players, and they do mostly all of the trade deadline acquisition guys because it might be the last time that they're in blue and that you can interview them, right? So uh, Frank Vetrano, who's now a duck, said, yeah, I want to run it back. I feel like we got un- unfinished business. Um, Strom, who's a duck, um, a longtime Ranger at the time, was like, yeah, I- I'm ready to come back and do this again. They Ryan let both Strom those- or Dylan? Uh, Ryan. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, Ryan Strom said, yeah, I would rather to run it back. They let him go. It, it is what it is. It's hockey. I actually like Strom. Um, we used to call him I Strom. I love his brother. I have his brother's jersey, too. Yeah. Str- we call him Strom A because it's just more fun to say. Also, <laughs> you had Tyler Mon at the time who left as well. But um, it was it was funny. And I have a really negative taste in my mouth when it comes to cop because they're doing the exit interviews. And usually you have to be kind of like political like yeah i love this team because they might sign you again right so you have to watch what you say andrew cop was the only one that was like um if if they offered you a contract would you want to come back he was like yeah probably yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah sure mm-hmm. like but but it was like yeah we'll see what happens we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens he was the only one and i remember telling that to my dad i was like uh cop doesn't want to be a fucking ranger bro he took this because he thought we were making a run he wanted to grab that easy cup like, sure. and then before you know it, right? Boom, no chance. He's gone. Now, again, Strom could have easily been lying. Fratrano could have easily been lying, but he looked like he was telling the truth. And uh, Tyler Mott obviously ran it back the last couple seasons. He did want to be a Ranger, but it leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's like, I get it. You sign where you have to, but you absolutely did not want to be a Ranger. So next time, just don't be a fucking Ranger. Because if you don't want to be a Ranger, I don't want you to be a Ranger, to be honest. Yeah, if you don't want to be here, why be here? Exactly. That's all I got to say about Detroit. We kind of we we wrapped it up pretty well. Like I said, you can do your closing statements and and you can move us to the next one. Well, my closing statement was, you know, shove shove Patty Kane on the same line as Debrinket and see what the fuck happens. You know, that's that's all I got to say. They're they're already a a high scoring, dangerous team sitting in third place, one point out from second place again behind Florida. But um, no, just just let's. I'm I'm interested to see what happens. I'll be tuning into more Red Wings games unfortunately but absolutely got to um these next two though i feel like could flip flop i'm not gonna lie with you so if you want to if we want to lump them together because i really don't have anything special to say about boston or florida um 
you know, I just want to say, and then I'll start it off and then you can, you can close it off here. Um, these two teams obviously have a little bit of history with them with last year. You know, you got Boston who won the president's trophy, who clinched a playoff, maybe with six months left, <laughs> clinched, fuck, clinched a playoff berth. Come on, with, buddy, use words. Shut the fuck up. Um, clinched a playoff berth with, with plenty of time left. Gated, coasted, flew into the playoffs. Um, and then played a, played a very scrappy team in the Cats and fucking in the Panthers and, and got bounced in the first round. So obviously there's a lot of bad blood there, of course. Um, I do believe in my heart of hearts that these are two teams that could be very much be flipped by the end of the week, maybe in two weeks. It very well could be flipped. You got Florida sitting at a 4-8-8-2 eight, eight, with 30 points. And you got Boston sitting at a 16-4-3 with 35 points. Literally separated by two wins and an overtime win. Or overtime loss, I mean. But a lot can happen. I'm excited to see how the, how the rest of the, the Atlantic plays out. Just honestly, with the top four, with, with well, okay, well, with half of the, half of the division. But um, more excited to see how this new formed rivalry is going to play out by the end of the year. Because there's one thing that I love about any sort of sport, baseball, hockey, football, you know, basketball. You got a lot of divisional games in play. And those get very chippy, and those are very unpredictable games. Unpredictable games. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. Um, like I said, I don't really have anything special to say about really any of the players on either team, um, you know, with the exception of you know Brad Marchand's a fucking rat, and 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 all that. But um, interested to see what your take is on the two. Um. So it, it is gone without saying that. Boston has depth and they're a team that can go the distance as of recent, right? You know, I don't like Boston mostly because Boston doesn't like New York. Again, it dates back to Babe Ruth. They have this chip on their shoulder that they're never going to let go about him. And it transcends all sports, all sports that has a Boston and a New York team. Boston hates New York for whatever fucking reason. Still, they can hold on to that resentment all they want. The difference is, is that you'd say, oh, well, Boston has depth. Well, fucking Florida has some depth too, right? We're talking about Kachuk. I mean, they ha- the, the cousins at Sam Reinhardt. So they have, a, they have a lot of things that, that mirror what Boston does. The difference between Florida is I feel more like it's a, even still to this point in the league even where they are right now it's still more of a like a eh, it's going to taper off kind of thing we we believe it's just not going to i feel like they're still being underestimated as being a very 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 good team and to, for, to go from a team that can't even make the playoffs that that i used to see florida as a strong team a, a very hard team to beat right that's a team that's hard to see especially you know you see them on this side they're on this side of our conference over near, near me i'm going to I'm not going to I'm not going to dick ride Florida, but I am going to say that they are much better than I think we understand and they I feel like they still have another step to take. In terms of Boston, Boston is a really good team. I can't say anything about it. And besides not liking one player, their captain who I think is literally a scumbag, I don't know why you build a franchise around him, and I'm sure that everybody in Boston is saying the same thing about Jacob Truba, right? So it's all perspective. But, you know, they're two teams that are sitting at the top of their division and they deserve to be. 
Personally, they deserve to be. And I don't think that they're going to get dethroned by anyone unless it's each other. I could easily see Boston going through a mini loss streak and then Florida turning it up and just getting in first. Um, but the difference is, is last year, Boston was prolifically at the top of the league and it was clear, right? This year is not the fucking case. This year, it is not that way. Boston is not the clear-cut best team in the league. As a matter of fact, you could make the you could make the argument that the Rangers are. Yes, they're sitting in second place right now, but they were in first, and they got less games than Vegas. So you could make the play that now New York is at the top of the league. You got Vancouver bouncing around. Vegas, who else is there? Van, uh, the Canucks, I think, are right outside. You got Colorado. You got Florida down there. L.A. is approaching. So... It's not so much to take anything away from Boston because this is the Atlantic and this is their episode. But the same way that we talk about the middle of the pack for all divisions, that any one of these teams can bounce around and, and you would be like, okay, that makes sense. We're sitting at the top of the National Hockey League saying the same thing. Any one of these six, seven, eight teams that are around here, and I think I think Detroit is just outside that, right? Eighth or tenth team, whatever it is. But all the teams above that are insane. And you got when you have Colorado, Dallas, and Vancouver, and Boston, and Vegas, and New York, and all these other teams that are just sitting at the top of the league, and you say the only thing that separates them is a couple points, a couple wins, a couple losses. Uh, it's a very, very exciting season, and Dude, I, I yeah. think. I think that Boston will stay towards the top, but they're not the clear-cut best team in the league anymore. Not by a long shot. Now, not to serve up a big steaming pile of foreshadowing, but I guess it's safe to say that the state of the NHL has completely changed, and it's completely changed for the better. And very, very excited to see how it plays out. Exactly. And we actually have something in the works that we're going to cover here in uh, next episode. But the the state of the NHL is not – it's different, right? It's, it's, it's different in a good way, in a way that I think is going to stick for a long time. And I think for the next seasons to come, personally, I believe that this is how – if they haven't figured it out yet, every team is going to follow suit with this because it, what, it's what needs to happen. And it's at, a, at a league where everyone's so fast and scoring is so high, this is the counter that makes sure that you stay in the running for being a team that can stay at the top. Whether it's your division or whether it's your league or whatever, you know? 100%. I, I could not have said that any better. And yeah, that is it. I cannot believe that we are a part of a podcast network now. Took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of years of covering the Rangers. And just linking up with my best friend and making this a reality. And now we are we're really doing this. So for everyone listening, for everyone sharing and caring about this podcast in general we we really do appreciate you and it's just uh you know <laughs> it's only up from here right so I, I i just i can't thank you all enough there's going to be some changes around here but the only thing that is going to stay the same we can guarantee is the way we do this and the way we approach it and the fact that this is always for fun and just to make content for you guys to enjoy so again Thank you all so much. Thank you, Sports Social Podcast Network. We appreciate it. The Worst Hockey Podcast, baby, 2024. It's going to be crazy. So, uh, yeah, just remember, it's not over till it's over. No quit. Ego retrust. And thank the Lord for CB98.